1: We've got some great music and a great new friend to make on today's Song of the Soul. My guest is Laura Dungan. She hails from Kansas, where Laura and her husband, Aaron Fowler, are both activists and musicians. I've seen them perform a couple of times over the years, but the main musical gift I've witnessed is their talent for leading group singing at the annual Quaker event called the Friends General Conference Gathering. I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest, Laura Dungan. Laura, thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul.
2: Great. It's good to be with you.
1: And where are you right now?
2: I am in Wichita, Kansas.
1: Is that hometown for you? Is that where you grew up?
2: No. I grew up in Winfield, Kansas, which is south of here, about 50 miles. And then I lived in Topeka, the capital of Kansas, for about hmm, six years through junior high high school, and then came to Wichita to attend college. At Friends University.
1: You know, I've never been to Friends University, and I'm curious what it's like. It is Quaker founded, Quaker run, maybe now?
2: Mm -hmm. There's no formal church affiliation currently, although there are some Quakers that sit on the Board of Trustees. But anyway, yeah, it was founded by Quakes.
1: And does it have some flavor of Quakerism in it?
2: Hmm. (laughs) I'm not the person to ask.
1: Well, well, maybe they have a William Penn and a uh, George Fox and a John Woolman Hall or something like that.
2: Let's see, uh, Elizabeth Fry Hall got torn down, Woolman Hall got renovated and renamed, Um, let's see, I can't think of one right at the moment.
1: Well, the impression I'm getting is that it hasn't got a strong friend's identity at the moment.
2: No, it does not. It's a wonderful private liberal arts school with good leadership at the helm, but Quaker in any way, I, I no. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: What led you to go there? Is it just because you wanted to get away from home and get, go to the big city?
2: No. My high school years, Topeka West High School, very involved with music. I was soloing with a city choir there in Topeka, and Dr. Riney, who is the... Um, At that time, recently retired now, actually, um, came and was the clinician with the choir. So he recruited me there, and I happened to be dating a great tenor who was the friend of another great tenor. And all three of us got scholarships and came to Wichita.
1: Well, talk about music a little bit, your background with music. I certainly know you as a song leader and also a performer at the Friends General Conference Gathering. Uh, where do you come from with music, and does it play a part in your life right now?
2: Yeah, I came from a very musical family. My father, who's now deceased, was music education major, and he taught in public schools in Winfield. In World War II, he was going to register as a CO, which my family is not Quaker, by the way, but uh, he was going to register as a CO, and then saw that there were openings for band leaders, so he ended up signing up as a band leader, and that was his job overseas. So he's been involved with instrumental music, oh gosh, his entire adult life. So my home was filled with music, and he loved to work with beginning violin students. My mom was a flautist, a vocalist, music teacher, church secretary.
1: And what all is your repertoire What are you besides a, a vocalist? And I know you can do some stringed instruments. What's your bailiwick?
2: Well, piano and violin, Then um, I was fully an adult and mother and married and all that good stuff. I picked up the mandolin because I'd been totally ruined with having to read music, and I couldn't do anything different with my keyboard except with music in front of me, so I decided I wanted to pick up an instrument where I didn't learn reading notes with it and just play by ear, so that's when I picked up the mandolin. I have recently been doing more violin work, just for my own enjoyment and my church family. I'll pull it out once in a while.:
1: Well, speaking of music that you love, let's go right into the music for your Song of the Soul. Again, first, I want to thank you again for joining me for Song of the Soul, picking out this music that's special for you, music that speaks of your spiritual path, journey or beliefs. What's number one on your list? What do we start out with?:
2: Bound for Freedom.
1: And is this metaphorical in your case, or is there, how, how do you connect to this one?
2: <laughs> well, this particular song, I think Aaron, my husband Aaron Fowler, introduced me to Pat Humphrey's music, and we listened to this together, and we said, oh, this is something we need to do. I think the thing that I connected the most with in this particular song is 18 years ago when we were moving into a primarily African-American community in Wichita, and I started organizing at that time. Well, you'll hear in the chorus uh, references to organizing and passing on something to our children. So Saul Alinsky is my great-grandfather in community organizing. He trained Tom Goddett, and he trained Shell Trap, and Shell Trap came to Kansas and trained me. So it has a lot of special meaning. And
1: is this a song that you or you and Aaron perform? Oh, yes. When and where? Since I'm up in Wisconsin and you're down there in Kansas, I don't get to hear you touring around doing a lot of music. Is this something you've done recently, for instance?
2: I know we've done it at the gathering. Yeah, just about every show we do, we do this particular tune.
1: Well, the first song for Laura Duncan's Song of the Soul is Bound for Freedom by Emma's Revolution.
3: in montgomery and in selma and the streets of birmingham the people sent a message to the leaders of the land we have fought and we have suffered but we know the wrong from right we are family we are neighbors we are black and we are white here i go bound for freedom song.
1: Freedom, Emma's Revolution were the performers, and we really, really, really wish that we could have heard it by Laura and Aaron. So, tell me again, why is it we're not listening to Can your version of the, the song? song?
2: <laughs> well, Aaron and I, we have done some professional recording, as in in the old days in a studio and really before some of the more accessible technology that has the kind of quality that we can get now, we did this uh, home recording, brought in some guy with a laptop computer that had some software, and this is probably seven years ago, something like that. So anyway, we did this little living room recording, and it was burned on my husband's dear computer that was not properly backed up, and the hard drive crashed with all of our music on it. That's why, Mark.
1: (laughs) And is there any hope of recovering it?
2: It's an opportunity to (laughs) re-record. Our oldest son now is 23 with his own studio, state-of-the-art, and so I think we could get some free studio time and come up with an even better product. So stay tuned.
1: I will stay tuned. Again, I wanted to ask you, Bound for Freedom... Why is it that that song, or the theme of the song, or the message of the song particularly matters to you? What part does it play in your spiritual journey?
2: Well, I think the reference to um, those who have gone before us kind of makes it sound like it's just me on my own, on the one hand, which I don't particularly care for, but Uh, It does make reference to those who've gone before, and I am just so very aware of people who've paved the path both in our career of organizing, but just people who have been reformers or leaders within particular movements. I think of Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Fry and Mother Jones is another favorite of mine who did some pretty extraordinary things with not necessarily a lot of education and took the substance of their passion and did some pretty cool stuff.
1: I guess that brings us to what you do for a living or what you've done for a living, I believe about 18 years ago, you founded a local group in Wichita, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. I was actually part of a group of Quakers that formed an intentional community in the inner city of Wichita, and out of that intentional community, there were several organizations, nonprofits that were incubated there. The effort that I was the closest to was the founding of Sunflower Community Action local organization. It started out actually in a small neighborhood that over the 18 years grew from no money to half a million dollar budget and statewide and staff of 10. And it's still going and it's going without me and new leadership and it's very exciting.
1: So what are you doing right now? Are you just touring full time on the music circuit?
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm touring on the training circuit. I I sort of like took a move within the same container. A national organization called National Training and Information Center actually gave Sunflower its very first seed grant 18 years ago. And they continued to provide technical assistance. That's where I met Shell Trap, who totally corrupted my life. I probably would be a professional musician of a, in a bigger way than I am in my life right now. But it's, it's a very... Um, fulfilling path and the right place to be. So I am traveling around doing training and consulting with local organizations similar to Sunflower.
1: So this is like community organizing, that kind of thing? Yeah, the thing Obama
2: talks about, yeah. (laughs) Now that uh, community organizing has become a household term.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Did you train in Obama, maybe? What the heck? Oh, I mean, yeah.
2: no, 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 no. Obama, no. <laughs> one of uh, another network that was a, a branch out of Solinsky's roots, I think Obama organized with that network. Although there is recollection, but no hard proof. We've tried to find that Obama attended one of our trainings at NTIC, but uh, it's unfounded.
1: Well, let's go on to song number two for your song of the soul, Laura. Where do we go next? Who's our next uh, musical inspiration? And again, I assume it's a song that you and Aaron sing, too.
2: Yes, and that we love singing with other people, and it's Give Light.
1: I guess that just about says it all. Give Light, I think it's a zipper song, as Bruce O'Brien describes it. You can make verses. Do you make up your own verses for it, too?
2: Some. I think we've pretty much stuck with the original verses uh, that Greg Archer wrote which is uh, the original Give Light and People Will Find the Way is an Ella Baker phrase that then he turned into a song. Something that we've done different with it is we had it translated into Espanol, which means translated into English um, Be Light, which I like even better.
1: Let's listen to it. I have a few more questions about it. And the song is Give Light, and you're listening to Laura Duncan's Song of the Soul. The song, uh, originally by Magpie, and that's who's performing it here.
4: Do believe. Teach peace, and people will find the way. Teach peace, and people will find the way. Teach peace, and people will find the way. People will find the way, I do believe. And people will find
1: Light by Magpie. Again, we wish it had been done by Laura and Aaron, but their hard drive crashed.
2: <laughs> There's a song in that, I think. <laughs> Since I had no humorous songs on the lineup here, really. Uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to get a, a grip on how much performing you and Aaron do. Is it likely that you'll do something every week or every month? or How do you do this, or where do you do it?
2: No, it goes in cycles. The last couple of years have actually been a little thin. I mean, I think we were lucky to have performed four times in the course of a year. Other years, uh, I'd say probably once a month. Coffee houses, bars, church gatherings, conferences, retreat settings runs gamut. No big halls, though. Really.
1: You mentioned that when Sunflower Community Action, that that was organized out of the Quaker community that you founded in that local community. I believe that was called Friends of Jesus. I remember reading about it right after it started up. I read about it in the Friends Journal. Does that still continue, or where has that gone? Where is your activism these days?
2: Well, the community itself had a fifteen year life. It ended up I don't know quite what the word would be, disbanded sounds kind of funky. It was just it was just time to lay it down. It had birthed three nonprofits, two of them are still sustaining, uh, youth organizing, Hope Street Youth Development, which is the organization that Aaron, my husband, founded out of that community. And then Dorland Bales, who was a part of a community as is still very integral and on staff at Sunflower Community Action and very friendly with Hope Street Youth Development in some consulting capacities. So the community officially is no longer in existence, but its children are. Our work in the world is now lived through those two avenues.
1: Well, I think maybe it's a good time to go on to some more of your music that you've picked out for your Song of the Soul. So, Laura, what's next up on your song list?
2: Power and the Glory.
1: And I'd like you to say that with the stronger Southern influence, you know, something a little bit more preacherous. if you could try again.
2: (laughs) Power and the Glory. (laughs)
1: I think from my point of view, you have just a slight, very slight, southernish accent. Oh, you think so? I I think so. You've grown up there. You've lived there most of your life. And a lot of people think of Kansas as the true heartland. Uh, Midwest is part heartland, but, you know, Kansas is way heartland. And it's a red state, right? Isn't that how they like to classify it?
2: That's what we're typically known as, yes.
1: So patriotism would be uh, a good thing there. I mean, when you pick out a song like Power and the Glory, this is a a big patriotic song. Is that why you picked it out? Because you're heartland? Because it's patriotic? And is that uh, your mode of thinking? I'm kind of teasing you there, obviously. Yes, I
2: know you're teasing me. And there's a little story along with this song. We were performing at the state fair, Kansas State Fair, on 9-11. And... I can't remember quite why we picked it up. Of of course, it's like the the last verse is the kicker. I mean, it's kind of patriotism that is deep in my heart. So we picked it up, and I I don't know that there was any kind of particular um, political or patriotic fervor going on in the state of Kansas at that time, but we were actually on stage at the time the towers came down, singing this song, it was a pretty powerful experience for both Aaron and myself.
1: I can well imagine that would be true. And the last verse you say is the verse that really impacts or brings it home for you. In the verses before, we're talking about general beauty of the country and all that kind of thing. But in the last verse, we start talking about the people and what we need to do in our work in this world. Is that? I mean, that's my words for it. How would you express
2: it? That our freedom is somehow bound up with others' freedom and that we can't ever forget that.
1: The song is Power and the Glory. It's performed here by South Coast Trio.
5: Come on and take a walk with me through this green and growing land. Walk through the meadows and the mountains and the sand. Walk through the valleys and the rivers and the plains Walk through the sun and walk through And Ohio. padlock prison door. Only as strong as our love for this land. Only as tall as we stand. the sun.
1: That was Power and the Glory, performed by the South Coast Trio, though it was originally a Phil Oaks song. If you just tuned in, I'm Mark Helpsmeet of Northern Spirit Radio, and you're listening to Song of the Soul. In addition to the radio stations that carry this program, you can always listen via my website, northernspiritradio.org. And while you're visiting the site, please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Now, Laura... I'm still trying to sort out some of the threads of your life. You were not Quaker raised, though you got involved with Quakers at college. What was your religious background, and how did you get involved in activism?
2: Well, uh, United Methodist Church has been was my growing up place. Lots of Methodist preachers in my family and ancestry, and I read George Fox's journal when I. Mentioned earlier that Dr. Riney recruited us to come to Friends University. Actually, when I heard that title, Friends University, I don't know. I'd never heard terminology Friends. I'd heard of Quakers before, but not Friends. I was like, well, that's a cute name for a college. Um, And I enrolled in a course where I read George Fox's journal when I was in school. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, yeah, this is powerful stuff. So that's what led me into Quakerism, was reading George Fox's journal. And then, the gosh, how that led into the specific work of justice-making, I'm not sure. So that's a whole other story I don't think we have time for.
1: <laughs> I guess then we won't go into it if we don't have time for it. <laughs> so there, this was a natural progression, I guess, out of your Methodist roots. You did have this sense of caring for the people. I mean, that is part of what you got brought up with. Was your family activist as well as musical?
2: Mm, not per se. I think the thing that my family gave me a context for was a sense of believing in the dignity of others, of real appreciation coming from a family of educators, for the learning process, and particularly the beginner. My father had a particular patience and commitment to anyone who was beginning anything.
1: When you refer to your current church family, who is that? Is this Friends General Conference? I mean, Friends University was affiliated Evangelical Friends. You're part of the Friends of Jesus. What are the groups that are there in Wichita, Laura?
2: Well, yes, 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 and yes. started out after I read George Fox's journal. I went in the phone book and found a church called Northridge Friends Church, and so that's where we started going and uh, had a very substantial time there. I think we were there for about 10 years. Then I think theologically we started traveling on a particular road that didn't, uh, we were young enough, I don't think we realized exactly some of the consequences of, some of the shifts we were making, uh, how that would impact our relationship on the evangelical side at that time. Then I was in my garden for about 15 years, and the only lifeline to Quakers that we were able to maintain was our dear connection to the Friends General Conference and particularly the gathering, that event. Really, it was the gathering, that event, that kept me particularly afloat in some ways of being related. When I found out that Lucretia Mott had connections with uh, the beginnings of Friends General Conference or the the gathering, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is amazing. Because it was Lucretia that kept me alive through sort of being spit out of the evangelical arena at that time. So then my son befriended the pastor's son of University Friends Church, which is dual-affiliated with EFI and FUM, and I started coming on a monthly basis, hanging out in the shadows in the back of the sanctuary just to kind of keep track of my youngest son and see what he was learning and so I could have meaningful conversation with him. And before I knew it, a couple of years later, I was like, well, you know what, I think I'm going to join this meeting. So I became a member of University Friends, and Aaron is a member of the M-program meeting here, Heartland Friends. So anyway, we kind of have a, a broad connection, and I still have a, some connections with the evangelical community here of Quakers. And I think it will grow, actually. I'm finding myself in a much larger space to be able to deal with those relationships that I had not been in my past.
1: I believe that the next song that you chose for your song of the soul, Laura, is The Times They Are a Change by Bob Dylan. And it sounds to me like you went through a whole lot of changes. Uh, This whole experience of coming to Friends University with the different Friends groups and your activism. Isn't the times there a change? And isn't that kind of historical for you? Wasn't that all way before you were, wasn't that even before you were listening to music that that music came on?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I guess the reason I chose this song particularly is I am just so attuned to what's happening in our country right now and in our world, and I think some of the um, changing that was happening before for me is sort of like I I was told once that if, if you ever want to be a part of a movement, you've got to get yourself in a place that when that happens, you will be swept up in the middle of it. And the image of a... A beach, if you're up on the beach and you want to ride the big waves, that ain't going to happen if you're up on the beach. So in order to catch the big wave, you got to be out there catching little ones and getting yourself in a position so that when that happens, you can be a part of that. And it just feels like such an exciting time, and the young people, my own children, the oldest being 23 and the youngest being 18, all boys, things that are happening in their lives right now, the way they're looking at the world, and I love the verse about getting out of the way. <laughs> We're in a very, very exciting time to be alive. Come gather around people wherever
6: you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone if your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing I'm writers and critics who prophesize with your pen.
1: That was The Times They Are Changing, Bob Dylan. And yes, it's a very exciting time to be alive, to see change happening. And I guess that's what your work is about, Laura, daily. I mean, you're training people to be agents for change, loving for our society. Is this the kind of work that you can carry your spirituality, your religious beliefs with you to work? Does that work out okay?
2: Absolutely. I really don't talk about it in those terms. It really is pointing to the underlying places of becoming a whole person, a whole society, all those dynamics that have to play into a free, liberated, cohesive place to be, not only for human beings, but all creation and and things. It's just a a way of being, so being able to live that out without necessarily using a particular kind of uh, religious language or theological language is really the joy of my life, to not do that, and to be able to live in contexts that are very different than mine. So whether it's organizing a group of active drug users in New York or... African-Americans from the North Bronx or farmers in rural Iowa, finding language that connects and gets all of us where we need to be going together is what that's about. So yes, I carry that, definitely.
1: I believe that the next song you've chosen is Immigrant. Is that an issue that you work with in terms of organizing too, immigration or immigrants?
2: Yeah, I think that in terms of a singular issue that is of huge impact, not only nationally but globally, has probably gotten in my gut the most and have had the honor and privilege of working with Emira Palacios here in Wichita, who's national co-chair of National People's Action. Anyway, yeah, it's pretty special.
1: You know, I don't want to go into a major theological discussion about it, but certainly on political campaigns, there'll be a certain amount of talking about how horrible all these illegal immigrants are. And then there's the legal immigrants, too. Oh,
2: don't forget aliens, illegal aliens.
1: <laughs> yeah, the illegal aliens, too, yes. yeah. My question is, If you're having contact with these people, maybe you don't see the lines in the same way that some of this national political discussion goes. You know, the outrage that we're going to be paying for medical care for an illegal alien or or whatever. How do you engage with that? How do your values end up living out in terms of your attitudes about immigration?
2: Well, it's the same value system with any kind of organizing that I engage in. There are no boundaries between the organizer and the community that they're organizing. And so regardless of how I felt about immigration, which I actually came into that very open, knowing that with the masses of people coming, that it didn't take rocket science to figure out that there was something much larger going on behind what was driving people to come to this country, particularly from the southern border. That even if I hadn't come from that persuasion or that openness, just being engaged with people who have their own story around their truck here. It's incumbent upon me as an organizer to wrap myself around that regardless. And um, I don't see those borders. I do see the need for some new laws and new things as a government to help us figure out how to practically work with it. I do think that some rules are important. So... It's not just an open border mindset and most of the folks I work with are not of that mindset either. So it's time to change the way we play the game and we live in a new society and our laws have to accommodate that.
1: The song is Immigrant and the artist is John McCutcheon.
7: I am an immigrant I am a stranger in this place here but for the grace of God go I I am an immigrant I have left everything I own To everything I've known I say goodbye She said give me your time Don't you know I'm weary She said give me your poor She's talking to me one of your huddled masses yearning to breathe free And I never have lost sight of what this journey has been for See how she lifts her lamp beside the golden door I am an Irishman when the famine Put us to the test, away into the west like wild birds flying. We put our backs to the wheel with a heart that always yearned for home. We have made this place our own and about died trying. She said, Give, Give me your, your time. time, don't you know I'm weary? When she said, Give, Give me your poem, she's talking to me. One of your huddled masses yearning to breathe free And I never have lost sight of what this journey has been for See how she lifts her lamp beside the golden door I am Chinese I have worked your mills, your yards, your mines I have laid your railroad lines with my two good hands I am a Chicano In your orchards and your fields I have gathered in the yields for this hungry land She said, give me your tire Don't you know I'm weary? She said, give me your poor She's talking to me, one of your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, and I never have lost sight of what this journey has been for, see how she lifts her lamp beside the golden door. A Jew from Laos, from Kathmandu. I am your story. I am a long, long line, one you have forgotten. That is true. I am everything you knew. I am your glory. She said, Give me a tire, don't you know we're weary? When she said, Give me a is yearning to breathe free, and we never must lose sight of what this journey has been for, as we lift her lamp beside the golden door.
1: song by John McCutcheon, immigrant. And I just want to make sure, I haven't been checking with you each time, Laura. Is that one of the songs that you and Aaron perform as well?
2: Oh yeah. We actually were able to perform that on the steps of the Capitol in Topeka. We've been mobilizing mostly Mexican immigrants to State Capitol for the last four, five years now on an annual basis, so we had 2,000 that year, and it was seven below, zero, wind chill and a very memorable experience. People stood out in that for two hours.
1: And that's a testimony to how good your music is, right?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> how compelling the issue is, for sure,
1: And it's wonderful that you're doing music that is compelling about a compelling issue. So I want to thank you for that kind of witness. I think we've got time for one more song. What shall we end up with?
2: Oh, it's got to be When I'm Gone.
1: And why does it got to be When I'm Gone?
2: (laughs) Well, we started out with the birth bound for freedom. So, uh, you know, there's grave time. But that'll come soon enough, and there's no reason to put things off. Take a risk now. Do something one never thought of doing before. If you don't like something, go change it. Both the good and the bad.
1: I'm pretty sure you chose the version here by David Roth instead of Phil Oakes, or unfortunately instead of the one that's on your crash disc.
2: (laughs) You keep referring to crashes to say that there will be a new one. There will be a new one that we will post with you, Mark, okay?
1: I am looking very much forward to that. You know, it could be that, you know, the When I'm Gone was about, you know, you better get these things onto disc before the hard disc goes. So it's... <laughs> but it is a beautiful, beautiful, meaningful song about diving in right now. I think I'm going to play it right away and we'll have a few more comments afterwards. When I'm Gone, this version by David Roth.
8: There's no place in this world Where I'll belong when I'm gone I won't know the right from the wrong When I'm gone You won't find me singing on this song When I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it While I'm here I won't feel the flowing of the time. All the pleasures of love will not be mine when I'm gone. My pen won't pour a lyric line when I'm gone, so I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. I won't breathe the brandy air when I'm gone, and I can't even worry about my cares when I'm Won't be asked to do my share when I'm gone So I guess I'll have I won't be running from the rain when I'm gone
9: I can't even
8: suffer from the pain when I'm gone
9: There's nothing
8: I can lose or I can gain when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here I won't see the golden of the sun when I'm gone and the evenings and mornings will be one when I'm gone. Can't be singing louder than the guns when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. won't be dances of delight when I'm gone. And the sands will be shifting from my sight when I'm gone. Can't add my name into the fight when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. I won't be laughing at the light when I'm I can't question how or when or why when I'm gone. Can't live proud enough to die when I'm gone, so I guess I'll have to do it while I'm There's no place in this world where I belong when I'm gone I won't know the right from the wrong when I'm gone You won't find me singing on this song when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it I guess I'll have to do it I guess I'll have to do it while I'm
1: i'm gone originally by phil oaks and unfortunately he is gone he left us far too early though he left us with a lot of beautiful music so i'm really glad he got that music out there to us as quickly as he could there's just a treasure load that he's left us do you have any musical venues coming up in the near or far future as it may be i mean are we going to see you next year at the friends general conference gathering we missed you this year
2: you're going to see me. I don't know if Aaron will be along this coming year or not, but I will definitely be there. Next month. we're going to be at a local coffee house here in Wichita. So anybody want to come? We'd love to have you at the perk. Those are the next venues coming up. And I guess you know the, the connection between all of this really great music and connecting it with the kind of work that we do it really has not been about the performing for us uh, or for myself. It's like these songs have anchored, inspired, just by singing them, not for performance sake necessarily. I mean, to put it out there, it really has just been to publicly remind myself of the kind of commitments that I've made. And they continue to nurture me along, and I'm grateful to the people who wrote every last one of them. They will continue to feed me, I'm sure, through the next decades.
1: And before I let you go, I have one more question that just struck me in retrospect as I look back at the songs that you shared. There wasn't a single one of them that I would have associated with your Methodist upbringing or strong Christocentric, theological. I don't hear that at all. It seems to me what I sense from the music that you chose is that your theology is a theology of service, of actively being the hands of God working in the world. Am I saying too much?
2: Yeah, no. I mean, that's what Jesus was about. Jesus wasn't about Jesus. Jesus was kind of limited in a lot of ways, and he painted a much bigger picture about humanity in our world and told us that we were going to do greater things than even he. So I I don't know that that's on purpose, although it it does not miss me. I've asked myself that question, too. Um, I'm Christian, and none of these are overtly Christian songs, (laughs) but they are
1: they they are well thanks for bringing them to us laura thanks so much for joining me sharing your song of the soul and i'm looking forward to seeing you next summer at the fgc gathering
2: great i look forward to it too mark
1: that was my guest for today's song of the soul laura dungan she and her husband aaron fowler have a website where you can get a little bit more information on them go to FowlerDungan.com, or just click on the link on my site, NorthernSpiritRadio.org. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, NorthernSpiritRadio.org.